0: Welcome to the Business Wave, the Enterprise Europe Network podcast for small businesses with big ambitions. I'm your host, Ruxandra Bosilka, and every month we talk business with some of the brightest minds in the field. The business world is changing fast. With new technologies, fierce global competition, and looming economic uncertainty, staying ahead of the game can be a challenge. Additionally, companies everywhere are dealing with critical shortages of talent and skills. That's where learning and development come in as strategic tools for all businesses. In this episode, we'll dig deep into what L&D means for your small business and how to build an effective learning strategy. We're joined today by two exceptional L&D experts, Anne-Marie Burbage and Elfrida Butte. Anne-Marie has spent two decades working with growing businesses to refine their people and performance strategies. She's worked with a wide range of organizations to create work environments where people excel and drive business forward. Elfriede is an L&D specialist at European Commission's executive agency for SMEs. She's led training programs for Enterprise Europe Network and has expertise in human resources, communication and project management. Hi marie hi Elfriede, welcome to the Business Wave. Hi there, thanks for having me. Hi. And Maria, let's start with the basics.
1: What is L&D and why is it so important for businesses of all sizes? Yeah, I think there's two kind of real kind of buckets if you like when we're looking at learning and development particularly through that performance lens in organisations. So the first one is looking at the people and the skills and the capabilities. So do we have the knowledge, the skills, the experience within our business to deliver on our goals or our strategic objectives so you know can we be successful with with what we've got and if not how do we build that so we can bring talent into an organization but also we can we can grow it internally so how do we do that through the lens of learning and development the other thing is looking more organization wide and you know we might well have the perfect skills and experience and knowledge within our organisation. But if as a business we are blocking that somehow, so perhaps our ways of working aren't, um, you know, there's a lot of friction in there, Um, you know, maybe we're blocking kind of high performance, the way teams are set up, the way the organisation is set up. So we're looking twofold, really, both at the skills of the the people within the organisation, but also the way we operate that facilitates those skills to be able to be used But then the third thing that I think is particularly crucial in a small and growing organisation is the bit around leadership, support and development. So as an organisation grows and, you know, you've mentioned rapid change and growth, particularly in that small kind of startup, medium sized business phase, the organisation is growing and changing rapidly. And the role of founders and leaders within that organisation also needs to change quite rapidly. So, you know, moving from being a CEO or a director or a founder that works really in the business, kind of doing the the work, if you like. So, you know, you might be, I don't know, maybe you've begun a, a financial organisation. You might be great at finance. You might be great at starting a business. But actually, there's come a time when you need to shift and you need to move away from doing the work and actually move into leading the business, leading the organisation. And that's quite a different skill set, actually. So supporting business leaders on that transition and as their role iterates and grows alongside the business growth, making sure that, that whoever is in that leadership position or the team of people has got the knowledge and the skills to be able to, to do that effectively.
0: That's great advice. How should business leaders begin with l Do
1: they need a strategy right away? Yeah, I don't think you necessarily need a big strategy for this. I think because things change so much, um, having a kind of a defined three year strategy is more likely to cause you challenges than it is to help you. Um, I think you're better off starting small. So we don't know when we first start out in that kind of building any kind of strategy, but particularly a people performance and development strategy. We might not know exactly what the needs are. We might not know exactly what the challenges are. What people will kind of utilize well. What what people will appreciate. And so, for me, the the most important thing is just picking something and getting started. Take quite an iterative approach. So, um, for me, that strategy starts with, um, you know, what what does success look like in this organization, and what do we think is perhaps missing in terms of our ability to be able to deliver on that? Start there. So strategy can be small. um, It can be light touch, focus on the priorities, the biggest business problems. So this is the kind of thing like, you know, as a CEO, as a business leader, what keeps you awake at night? What do you think is going to be the biggest blocker to your business success? Start there with something, see if that works or doesn't work and then move on to something else. So rather than having a, a big kind of planned out strategy, I'd go for progress over perfection. Start with something, see what works, and then build from there.
0: Anne-Marie, you mentioned progress over perfection. Starting small is key. Small businesses often struggle with time and money. What are the main challenges in L&D, according to you?
1: Yeah, Yeah, so of course, time and money are key ones. Another one is, like I say, knowing where to start. I think perhaps if you've not done this before, really understanding what the skills are that you need in-house to be able to deliver on your strategy. So I think if you follow this all the way back, the key thing that you need in place is to know what your goals are. What are we trying to achieve? What does success look like for us? Because if we don't know that, We won't know if we've achieved it or not, and we won't know what we need in order to be able to achieve it. So kind of going back to the the start, which is, you know, what kind of organisation do we want to be? What does success look like? What are our goals? How will we measure success? And that might change, and it might change quite quickly um, as you're maybe iterating your service or product in light of wider, like macroeconomical kind of changes, but also as your customer evolves and changes. Um, So we need to know what success looks like. We need to know what our goals are Um, and then be able to just at least come up with some ideas and tools to be able to fill any gaps that we perceive. I think um, the other I mean, it's an asset really for a small organisation. Having less people means that you can move knowledge and information and people around kind of with a little bit more freedom in a big organisation. That's that's trickier to do. So I think, you know, a great asset really for a smaller organisation is the ability to share knowledge, share information and, and move quite quickly. The challenge does become, though, for a smaller organisation when you start to recruit more people, but particularly if you start to hire people in that report into other people, um, because When you're smaller as an organisation, everyone's quite close to the founders, to the leadership team. So we we know what we're trying to do. We know what works, what doesn't work. We know what we like, what we don't like. But then as people start to be kind of one person removed from that initial source of information, it becomes a little bit more tricky for them to know what's expected of them, to know what success looks like and to know how we do things around here. And so it's really important that as an organisation grows, you're able to capture that information and make sure communication is really good and expectations are set really clearly.
0: As you said, in bigger companies, people might lose that close connection to information and communication becomes harder. So many businesses aim to embrace an L&D culture to counter these side effects. What does that mean and how can small businesses make it part of their daily
1: operations? mm mm-hmm. I think, you know, the first thing is to set some really clear expectations if a business leader wants a learning culture, um, you know, so you, and I would suggest you define that a little bit more. I think a learning culture is something that, well, what even is that? And essentially, you know, for me, a learning culture is an organisation where we, we have and we share and we move around knowledge freely. You know, we work together, we collaborate. We're not afraid of failure. We try things, we experiment, we fail fast and we move on. We learn from our mistakes. Okay, So one of the things we need to do is firstly set the expectation and just tell the business that's what we want and then create that safe environment for that to happen. It's all very good and well saying, um, you know, it's okay to fail here. But then if somebody does, (laughs) they're in trouble and we kind of somehow punish that. You know, we need to reward the behaviour that we want not punish it. Um, so, kind of really thinking, like setting that intention, communicating with the organisation. Probably, role modelling would be another one. I think maybe communicating if, if as a, a leader or any of your people leaders, you know, if you do make mistakes, let's let's kind of talk about it. So things like stand ups and conversations, retro kind of conversations. What's gone well? What's not gone so well? Um, and in terms of a, a successful L and D kind of solution how to implement something um first thing we need to do is understand what it is we're trying to impact so what would a successful outcome look like so again it's that goal that target point um and then start out by capturing some sort of data so it might just be feedback insights it might be kind of softer qualitative um feedback so it might be something like you've had maybe you've done um Maybe an employee kind of survey, something like that, and something's come up through that. It might be that you're seeing perhaps you're seeing an increase in attrition or turnover. So people seem to be leaving quicker than we would like them to or more frequently now than they were doing what's going on there and capture that insight. So capture that starting point. And then there's loads of options. okay? so I think when people think of learning and development, they think of a training programme, they think of a course. So we need to take people off the job, put them all in a room together and teach them something when actually that is one option. It's certainly a tool in the kit, but that's quite a big and expensive one, actually. And it's not just the time it takes to maybe bring somebody in to deliver that for you. But it's the time away from the job um, that you also need to factor in. So there's other things like um, maybe mentoring or buddying. So if you've got somebody in your organisation that's maybe struggling with something, but there's somebody else who's really good at it, put the two of them together and allow them to kind of hang out, uh, learn from one another. Um, Another really great tool that is used to great effect is just kind of on-the-job resources. So we don't always need to teach people how to do everything. You don't need to go into a room and learn how to do something and then go and do it because you've got to think about the timing if the timing's not right for the the workshop or whatever that you're running um it might be that just some somehow capture capturing a process or a flowchart on a piece of paper or on a document somewhere that people can refer back to when they need it you know that's another option and then when you implement the thing so whether it's a workshop or a resource or maybe a, a video that you've sourced online and then go back to people and say did that help you you know has that solved any of the problems? Has it go back to that starting data and reassess have things moved um and then kind of pick the next steps from there i would i would advise against kind of road mapping an entire solution over the next twelve months because we just don't know if that first step's gonna work really well or not. It might solve your problem just popping a really simple resource in place that's a step-by-step guide on how to do something might be enough to solve the problem. And that saved you lots of time and effort.
0: I like your point about creating a safe space for people to experiment and learn from their mistakes. Besides traditional learning, small companies have many other options in their toolkit, including peer-to-peer learning.
1: What do you think about this approach? Yeah, I think, um, and this peer-to-peer that, you know, this goes up, down, sideways, you know, it's, I think the rising emergence kind of of matrixed ways of working. So maybe within my vertical, maybe within, maybe, I don't know, I work in, in finance, maybe I'm quite a junior member of the finance team, but actually if I was on a project team, I could be the finance expert over there. So I could take my finance knowledge and work with a kind of more matrix team around solving a, a particular challenge or problem. And that's a great opportunity for growth for me, but also it's a great opportunity for the business to move around knowledge and not keep it in, in silos. I think the traditional setup of an organisation means that um, professional expertise sits in in pockets and it sits in silos and you you are, you move up, you move up it. And actually the, the modern career doesn't look like that. You know, we we want to people want to be able to have impact they want to be able to add value they want to be able to create opportunity within an organization and it just doesn't look like the typical traditional kind of career vertical path anymore and actually having those finance skills over in maybe marketing or sales is a real asset to an organization but equally you know understanding different functions is really important. So I think as a a business leader, first up, again, you need to set the intention, you need to set the expectation, you need to communicate that this is this is our way of working. This is how I want to operate as an organisation. I want to be an organisation that gives opportunity to its people, but also for the good of the business, moves knowledge and information around. And, you know, what you might do is set, for example, you could do like a monthly um just forum. Maybe we all come and hang out together and um maybe someone brings a challenge that they've got, so something they're trying to do, and you kind of all collaborate on solving that problem. And it doesn't matter which part of the business you're from, it doesn't matter what, what typical day function you have, come along and we all, you know, we all work on solving a, a business challenge together.
0: Anne-Marie, what's your top advice for
1: small businesses exploring L Yeah, I think Start small. So pick your biggest pain point, your biggest challenge. What keeps you awake at night? What's the what does the data and the story tells you is your biggest problem right now? And start there. Prioritise really keenly. Have a laser like focus on just moving the dial on one thing and then learning and iterating. And and then you will you know, focus on progress over perfection. As we said before, just get started because. You know, often we sit there and think, oh, well, I don't really know what the skills are. How do I figure this out? What does my three year strategy for learning and development look like? Start somewhere, get moving, do something, learn from it. And this is how you're role modeling that learning culture. I'm going to have a go. I'm going to look at where I want to be. Look at where I am now. Look at the gap. Pick the thing that I think most obviously stands out. Start there. Do some work. Reassess. Iterate. Go again. So to sum it up, focus on
0: key problems and take that first step. Anne-Marie, thank you for setting the stage. Now let's hear from Elfriede about L&D events. Elfriede, you've successfully organized many events at European Commission. What are your top tips for creating a great L&D event? There are five tips I can
2: share with you. So one is to make a tour of planning, because of course, if you want to organize a training, you have to plan it well in advance, step by step. Then two is also to define well in advance your um, a clear learning objectives. So it means also that you actually define who is the target group of your training and at the end of the training, which are the required skills and knowledge that um, this group of participants should ach- achieve. Three is then to look, of course, for um, engaging content. So to design actually engaging learning content that aligns with those learning objectives. And then four is actually to to offer a variation of different formats. Um, So such as lectures, group discussions, and also practical exercises. And why is this actually important? Because academic research shows that we learn much more from experience than from a classical training with theory and lectures. So therefore also it's very important to look for active participation and interaction in your training. And then the the fifth and final tip I would give is actually to do a post-event evaluation and also to ask feedback from your participants, because this will allow you also to assess the impact of your learning and development events. And in that sense, also, you can make uh, the necessary improvements for the future when you organize again um, similar training
0: events. That's fantastic advice. Can you give us an example of a successful LD initiative from your experience? Well,
2: the most rewarding feedback uh, was uh, shared from on-site workshops, so that participants found it very valuable that they can exchange on-site with other participants their experience or also do exercises together. And then one other notable initiative in our network is that has proven successful is actually the mentorship. So it's pairing experienced staff with newcomers in our network because this creates also a dynamic learning environment. They uh, gather on on timings when they can and they exchange. So the senior staff um, network member exchanges them with the junior network member. Um, So this peer-to-peer learning has proven also um, its success. And then uh, one uh, other effective approach that I would like to mention is the micro-learning where we actually provide short and individual e-learning models of let's say 20 minutes um, because this makes it easier for our learners to digest and retain information and it also allows them to fit it in their busy work schedule. So since Covid uh, of course uh, but also now um, in the dynamic world we are focusing more and more within our network on developing these learning tracks, these learning paths actually, which entails these short e-learning models. Um, And then after each model, for instance, they can take a short knowledge quiz uh, to see if uh, they have required the necessary skills and and knowledge to go to the next level. And in that sense also, they can go through this learning track at their own
0: pace. As we discussed earlier, small businesses often have limited resources. How do you plan an L&D event to provide maximum value within these limitations? When resources are limited,
2: creativity becomes very essential. So prioritizing um, high impact training topics that are aligned with organizational goals Um, are important so there are three tips here that I can can share Um, first of all the use of technology as mentioned earlier um, so try to see if you can um, provide an online platform an online learning platform for virtual training sessions or for e-learning models but secondly also collaboration is the key Maybe you can look for another partner to co-host learning events together. And actually also what what we do in our network is um, providing the support to our local and regional network partners to organize themselves a decentralized training. Um, And then maybe a, a final third tip is the train the trainer principle. It means that you set up a training for a small group of persons coming from different organizations. You give them an intensive training. So they actually, as a trainer in their organization, um, can uh, provide the training to their colleagues. We, uh, from our side, we give them also a basic toolkit. And in that sense, also, they can reshape this learning content of the, the toolkit according to their organization. So it's in that sense also repurposing existing learning content to create new learning material according to their organizational needs.
0: As we near the conclusion of this episode, what's your top advice for teams looking to improve their L&D strategies?
2: My top advice is embrace a mindset of continuous learning. So foster this open communication culture of continuous learning, um, create an atmosphere where curiosity is allowed, where exploration is allowed, where even experimentation is allowed. And in that way, you can help the team, you can help your team to grow and also to adapt to to changes uh, because we know we we are living in a dynamic, uh, constantly evolving world. And in in that sense, also, it will become more easy for your team to overcome challenges and together also to achieve better results. In the end, learning is also teamwork, actually, and change is the only constant. But where there is an open mind, there is always something new to find, to grow and to learn from.
0: These insights are crucial for entrepreneurs and organizations alike. L&D will remain a hot topic for years to come. Anne-Marie, Elfride, thank you both for sharing your expertise with us. To all our listeners, please click that subscribe button on our YouTube channel and find the Business Wave on your favorite podcast platform. I'm your host, Susanda Bosilka, and I look forward to seeing you next time.